part of the study was to sit in silence and just talk to God and ask Him, like, what am I to you? So I did. And one of the clearest responses that I've ever heard Jesus reply back to me, and it was very quick too, is He said, your strength. And it was just really humbling for me because the God of the universe who created all things and who is in all things called me strength. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you Brittany from Statesboro, Georgia. So again, we have another story from a live gathering, and we're thrilled. And another fun thing about Brittany is that she is younger. She's 30. And we love to have stories from our younger storytellers as well. It really is. And just hearing her wisdom that God has taught her over the past, she'll tell you, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Brittany's struggled with so many things. She'll walk you through fear, anxiety, depression, even sexual abuse that she's walked through. But how God has been faithful through every trial and every tribulation. And she also just reminds us the importance of seeing ourselves the way God sees us, not the way we want to view ourselves. You're going to love her story. Yes. And before Brittany's story, we do want to let you know that I cannot believe it's already May. And when God shows up, Stories of Freedom is at the printer. Yay! (laughs) We are so excited to launch our second Bible study around Stories of Freedom. And that will be available this summer, probably in August. I would say we're going to start our launch. So look for it on storytellerslive.org. We can't wait for you to experience it. Here's Brittany. I can remember being 20 years old, and I wonder what it would be like to be 30. So that's what I am now. I'm 30 years old. So we're talking about 10 years of being with the Lord. So just a little background information to help paint a picture for you. I've been a believer and friend of Jesus's for 10 years as of this July 29th. And it's very unreal to me. I actually didn't realize I was coming up on my 10 year until I started typing all my information out and I saw it on paper and I was just kind of like, wow, I feel like I should be so much more knowledgeable about things. Um, I feel like I should have accomplished so much more in life. And I just feel like I should be better basically than what I really am. But I feel like most Christians, if they're being honest, they have either felt this way or they're going to feel this way. So there's a little spoiler alert for you there. And I know that God is completing His good work in me that He has started the day that I accepted Him. As stated in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Sometimes it just may take us a little bit longer than we all expect. The days, weeks, and even years leading up to the day that I met Christ were filled with shame, depression, anxiety, a loss of identity, and I had ignored God's convictions all the way back from being a child to my teens, and at this point, I was a young adult. So I was exhausted, and I didn't even realize it. My day at the altar began like any other Sunday. I had been attending a church for a few weeks at this point and um, continued to ignore that feeling that I had. At the time, I didn't really know it was conviction, but after becoming a Christian and learning that that's what that feeling is, that's what it was. And each Sunday, I was just like, okay, like I made it through. I didn't have to go to the altar. And I just always felt so accomplished not having to surrender my life over. But yet, I still came back every single Sunday. And it's interesting because growing up, like Sundays were some of the most depressing days for me. And I never really understood why. 
maybe because I wasn't at school or there just never really was a lot going on. But what's crazy is now Sundays are some of my most favorite days. I'm always with family. We work with the teens on Sunday nights. We go to church. There's always something going on Sunday and it's always a good thing. So I can never really quite pinpoint why Sundays were so difficult, but I realize now that I had a void in my soul that I didn't even know that I that know that knew I needed a savior basically in community before I could even actually feel that myself. One Sunday morning, I was overcome with an unimaginable amount of sadness. It's like it just was all bubbling up to the surface. I had hopelessness, guilt, and fear. And I came to a point where I was afraid of what ha- might happen to me if I did die. And more importantly, what I might do to myself out of pain and depression. And I knew that I needed healing and I knew what I needed to do to get it, that I needed Jesus. Growing up, we attended church sporadically, so I didn't have much knowledge about Jesus um, or what a relationship with him really looked like. Everyone said he had the power to heal and restore, and I knew that he would somehow or another. I knew deep down in my heart that he would. So the invitation started at the end of the message, and I don't even remember what the message was about. I don't remember the songs that were sung. I don't remember any of it. It's just all a blur. And my mom was standing next to me, and she asked me if I needed to go down to the altar because at this point, I'm just like sobbing. Like, I can't keep it in anymore. It's pretty dramatic when I look back on it because I think I pretty much fell out of the pew. And I think like she pretty much carried me up there for the most part. And, you know, it's like a 20-year-old being carried by her mom up to the altar. So I have to give her credit for that. And of course, this took place on one of the biggest attendance Sundays at this little church that has ever been seen because... That's how we learn humility, truly. I finally made it to the altar, though, and I was sitting there, and I didn't know what I needed to do. I just knew I needed to be there. But shortly after being down there for, I mean, at least 30 minutes, a woman, she comes and she touches me on the back, and she opens her Bible, and she wants to read Scripture to me, and I told her no. And she wants to pray with me. I told her no. Like, here I am at the feet of Jesus, and I'm still so stubborn and so human that I'm turning away one of his very own messengers that he, in fact, sent to speak to me, speak life into me. Now I know where my son gets it from. So I think back a lot about that special woman and how she was so real and how I would give anything to be like her, be that godly woman. And that was the first time that God spoke to my heart and told me that I was, like I was her, that I had the potential and ability to be her if I gave my life over to him. So basically, I say all this to say God knows me. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And it wasn't long after encountering the woman, and then the preacher came down, I think, and he spoke with me and and prayed with me as well, that Jesus placed a very subtle peace in my heart. It was literally like rain. That's the best way I can describe it. It just came so subtle and and quickly, and it was so comforting, almost like a refreshing feeling that I had been waiting years to feel, like I finally got a chance to take a deep breath. And I had stopped crying at this point. I don't think I had any tears left to cry. And I got up, and I knew things were still going to be tough and that God had to work on a few things, but that He was going to see me through and He was going to continue to work things out for my good. Later that afternoon, I can remember feeling um, pretty weak, like I had been through war. Like I literally felt like I had been through war. And I didn't really know what that felt like, but I could imagine at this point in time what it 
probably felt like. And that's how I felt. And then it was revealed to me that the truth about it was that I did just go through war. And I'm very thankful to have learned what spiritual warfare was very early on. In that moment, that's when I realized what that was. The battle for my soul was already won, but Jesus gives us the ability to have free will to choose him. And we have to continue to choose him over and over and over again. And we're not slaves to God's word. He doesn't want slaves. I don't want to be a slave. But he wants friends and that we're all just messengers. There was a time shortly after becoming a Christian that I was reading through one of my very first devotional books. I didn't even know what that was, but everyone in the church had one. So I bought it and I started reading through it. And it was pretty encouraging, actually. And at this point in this particular day, we were talking about basically what God calls us. Although that we have earthly names that God calls us something different. And... Part of the study was to sit in silence and just talk to God and ask Him, like, what am I to you? So I did. And one of the clearest responses that I've ever heard Jesus reply back to me, and it was very quick too, is He said, your strength. And it was just really humbling for me because the God of the universe who created all things and who is in all things called me strength. And it was just, I mean, it was breathtaking. I didn't know what to really make of that. And I just kind of sat there because I was like, is there something else? And it was one of those times where there was like, silence. It was just strength. And that was it. It's like, okay. This is when I knew that God saw more in me than I saw in myself. And how he started a work in me, as stated previously in Philippians 1.6. And how I'm truly made in his image, which comes from Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I don't have any choice but to be God's hands and feet. Because it's literally part of who I am. It's written in my DNA to be that for God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's no surprises with God. There, There certainly hasn't ever been in anything I've ever gone through. So at this point in my story, I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, in time, and I'm going to share a little bit of some of the ugly, some of the harder things that people don't like to talk about when they're giving their testimonies, because I feel like it's just that important. When we accept Christ, we do receive healing and mercy and forgiveness and grace. And some healing takes time, some healing is immediate, and some things take place in our life and we don't really realize that we need healing from it at all until God brings it back to the surface. And something that a lot of people didn't know about me was that I was sexually abused when I was younger. And I wrestled with it for years on if I should share it because it was something that I did not feel was directly related to my testimony. It was something that I had experienced, um, but it wasn't a struggle that during the time of me accepting Christ was brought to the surface that I had been thinking about or anything like that. And so in my heart and mind, I was thinking that I was good with that. Like I had already dealt with it and I'm, I'm past that. And God's created me to be this new being. So why dwell on it, right? Well, God had other plans, of course. After getting to know Christ in really a good little ways into our relationship, he started bringing this up randomly over and over again in my mind and in my heart. And I wasn't really ready to deal with it because like I said, I thought I had already dealt with it. There wasn't much more we could do, right? And it was like he just told me that I needed to give it to him, though. Like, in my human body, yes, like, I dealt with it. But I didn't deal with it spiritually. He needed to have it in order to work through me and to work in other people's lives. So finally, I knew that I was supposed to share the story with someone. 
And at first I was convicted to tell my fiance then, who's now my husband, and he supported me more than I could ever imagine. He's absolutely amazing. I can't, I could go on like a whole nother rant about how amazing my husband is and everything that he's done, but that's not what this is about right now. Then a couple of years later, I shared with a close friend during having some difficulty with postpartum depression after my first child. And I shared that with her and I told her I knew I was meant to share it with the world. And just as I was finally ready, God told me not, not to move, not to do anything. So here I am like getting ready. I'm like, okay, like we're going to war. Like I can do this. And then he tells me, no, like not yet. And I had never, at this point in my walk with Christ, I never really had anything like that happen. I've never really had him say no. It was more like, come on, like hurry up, like make your next step. But never like a no, don't do that yet, because I knew he had worked in it and it should be something that I would want to share, right? So it just sat in my heart and mind for about five years until now. As I was praying with God and about what I wanted to speak about most during the storytellers, you know, like I said, we could be here for a while over and over again. Like it's, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life, but these are the highlights that God highlighted himself. So there is a special person out there that's waiting to hear this. And I just need you to know that God loves you and he's here for you and he's willing to heal and restore what has been taken and broken. I know what it's like to have something taken from you, even when you didn't do anything to deserve it, Um, to hide it from the world because of embarrassment. And the thing about it was, it wasn't even something that I did. My pain fell at the hands of another person's sin. It wasn't even my fault. And this next verse is very, very important. Um, It comes out of James chapter 2, verse 13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So I don't know what believer is waiting to share their story, but it's honestly like God is just wanting me to sit back and watch what he can do. And I'm all for it. Like, you know, this is uncomfortable for me to be up here talking about, but it's what God wants me to do, so I'm going to do it. I urge you to listen and ask and ask him what he would like for you to do and act on it through faith. Through my past childhood trauma, there was healing, but the only thing that I had to do was truly give it to God fully and wholeheartedly. Um, and he still managed to bless me um, and give me an indescribable amount of joy in my heart. Um, he granted me the ability to give mercy the same way that he does and then forgive the way that he forgave me. So many times I feel like people don't want to share the difficult things or their past, but our past is a gift, just like our present and our future is a gift. The thing about God is, is that he grants us grace and that's an unforgiving gift or it is an undeserving gift, not unforgiving, goodness gracious, undeserving gift. Um, and God lives outside of time. So there's no past, present or future where he is, just God. Psalms 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And I want to say it again, like we're just messengers. I'm just a messenger for God's works. The next part I'm going to get into is some struggles that I had both before and after being a Christian. There's a lot of things that I thought were going to be taking away immediately that weren't. So we're going to kind of get into some of that. Something I struggled before and after accepting Christ was the anxiety, depression, and fear of dying at any given second. I also struggled with demonic dreams, and when I went to go to bed each night, I would fear, would it be my last? Was I about to die? Um, You know, and this went on for a good while, like close to a year, like 365 days every night feeling this way. 
and I experienced some extreme insomnia around this time, and I was unable to eat most things. It was affecting me in every single area of my life. But after meeting Christ, I thought that all my struggles and issues would go away. So at that point, I started to question whether I was really God's child at all, because it didn't really seem like Kaylee's given me any peace or rest, much less any rest at all at this point. And when I did sleep, I had dreams, and a lot of them were demonic. So it was awful. There was a no-win situation at this point in my life, or so it felt. So I didn't understand why I was suffering from this if I was a child of God and I knew Him as my personal Savior. Why would He let me suffer anyways? One of the last dreams I ever had before God took them away, because He did take my dreams away, all my dreams, but this is a I feel like it's a very important dream. Like I I was having a lot going on during that point in my life, but this is one that's always stuck out because it was so vivid and real. And um, I do believe I was supposed to share it tonight. So um, basically this dream started out as me in like an old church, um, an old white church with stained glass windows. It was abandoned. There was trash everywhere. There there were white walls and they were all dirty. Um, And you could tell no one had been there in a while. Like it was definitely abandoned. There was a feeling of like sadness and darkness over the church. And there was no one around. Like it was just me. And the sky outside looked different than it does these days. It almost like the sky was orange and like any trees were like burned black. So it just doesn't, it didn't look like anything that took place, you know, while we were here on earth, at least. There was a black combed out car sitting in the driveway of the church. This church had like some sort of little driveway where you could drive up. And I can't really remember if it was like a limo or a hearse or just some fancy car. But I remember thinking like, it's a car I would associate with someone that had like a good bit of money. So it was, it was nice. And the windows were rolled up. So I couldn't really see who was inside, but the vehicle was running. And somehow in my dream, I knew whoever it was, was waiting on me. And at this point, Um, My dream turns, like all of a sudden I'm in my backyard at home, which is one of the most peaceful places um, in the world that I grew up in. And it was a beautiful summer day and I walk into my backyard and I look up at the sun and it starts to disintegrate in front of me and it starts to disappear like right in front of my eyes. And somehow in my heart, like I just felt like I didn't make it. So I fell to my knees and I asked God for forgiveness because I truly thought that the world in that moment was about to be gone. And that I wasn't going to get to heaven because I didn't act on my convictions and I didn't do the things that God asked me to do. But by this time, I could see people all around me. They were floating up and it was people that I recognized. Like it wasn't just random people. It was people I knew, like I had encountered in my life. And they were floating up into the skies and they kind of looked like they were on hot air balloons, which is kind of weird. But like, I don't know, I guess that's my quirkiness coming out in my dream. And there was just like they were full of joy. Like they said, they had so much happiness on their faces and they were just so certain about how they felt and where they were going. And just as I thought I had been left behind and I didn't make it to be with God for all eternity, I looked down in my dream and my hands slowly start to float up and my feet slowly start to come off the ground and then I wake up. So it wasn't long after having that dream that I prayed and God took my dreams away completely. I didn't have good dreams. I didn't have bad dreams. I didn't dream for six or seven years. I had complete peace, great night's rest. Actually, I think I don't, I didn't start dreaming again until I had my first child. Maybe I was pregnant with him. It had been a good chunk of time for sure. And around that same time, there was, and it might've even been the same night. I can't remember exactly. 
but I was tired of holding on to that fear of dying. And it was just keeping me awake and causing even more anxiety and depression than I had already had previously. Anxiety and depression is something that, I mean, it really, it runs in my family. It very well could have come from some of the sexual abuse from when I was younger. Um, it's never really been revealed to me, but if anything, that just like double or triple dosed what I was going to experience or so it felt like at that time. But that night when I asked God to take it all away, it was one of the craziest feelings I ever had in my life because it literally felt like he pulled something out of me and then I just fell asleep. And that night was the first time I knew what it felt like to be fearless. And I was fearless because of God and because of who he is. And this is when I learned God's power and his greatness and how he granted me the ability to become fearless, but in his name, not by myself. He also taught me how to have faith and hope through this. And all he asked was that I just shared my story, was to just be a messenger for him. That's not really a lot. Like, he doesn't really ask much of us compared to what he's done for us. So at this point, we're going to flash forward a few years. Um, I've married the love of my life. We just had our first child. And God has worked in so many ways up to this point, like too many to count, just a lot. Like he has been there with me through every single trial and every single tribulation and will continue to be there through every single thing that I walk through. So I wasn't, I was absolutely sure actually that I would not experience postpartum depression. Like I just knew I was not going to have it. I just wasn't going to, I wasn't going to let that like jump on me until it did. And I just want to say that the lies and the hopelessness that comes from that are straight from the devil himself. I mean, you can just paint the picture. At this point, I have a beautiful marriage with an amazing life companion who is a godly man. Um, and then we bring a miracle into the world. Like, I'm a miracle bringing a miracle into the world. And if we didn't have our, a target on our backs before, the second we accepted Christ, like, you can bet that we do now. I mean, it's a given. And that's why it's so important for us to be prepared for that. As a new mom, we're learning everything that's being thrown at us um, because nothing truly prepares you no matter what they say. It's totally different when you bring that baby home. And you're just scrambling, and that's okay. But the day that I realized how selfish I really was was the day that I brought my child home from the hospital. It was awful. I was just like, can I give him back? Like, I was not ready for this. I love him, but I was not ready for it. And don't get me wrong, he was beautiful and perfect. And he was, I, I even realized, I remember thinking like, he is a miracle, like it's awesome. I should be proud of myself for carrying a child of God. Like he is God's child and God trusted me to carry him. And he saw fit for me to be his mom too. Like, I mean, this we're in for like the long haul. And I did feel good for a little while, but it was when you really kind of start to grow as a new mom. And um, then like the help comes like a little bit, like it starts diminishing a little bit. And, you know, you're kind of, you realize that, you know, this is, this is a big task that you have to do. There's no one really going to help you with it except for God himself. And this is when I was attacked by postpartum depression, the feeling of worthlessness that my family would be better off without me and that I should just go ahead and end it all. Again, like here's those depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts coming back into play even after I've accepted Christ. It's a continuous battle throughout your life. There are some things that you may struggle with and God will heal and then you just don't have to worry about it anymore. And then there are things that you have to constantly give over to God. But at this time, I knew that those were lies of the enemy 
And I knew that those thoughts weren't going to go away anytime soon anyways. Like I knew that in my heart. But God had instilled me in me what I needed to do to fight back. So those feelings attacked me and they were very real. And at this point, there was tension between me and my husband. If he said just one thing, my self-confidence would just plummet. And it didn't matter if it meant to be ugly or if it was just a simple statement. I always took it, ran with it, and it was always in the wrong direction. And one day, one day it became so bad that I knew I needed some help. And I had to lay down my pride even at this point, And I needed, I needed God to help me. However, this time when the enemy attacked me, I had more backup than he had expected because I had already faced him many, many times. But before I had established a community at now, I mean, I have a community and although I'm stubborn, I was able to call a really close friend that I knew could come and pray with me immediately. And she did. The second I called her, she came and prayed with me and encouraged me. And we were able to share struggles between one another. And then guess what? Like, I mean, it, it turned out we were not that much different. If you ever sit down with anyone, you you will find out very quickly that no one is much different than you. You're more than likely struggling with the exact same things. And that's why God placed you at this point in your life together. So when we open our struggles up to community and share our struggles, it really, it kind of, or it doesn't kind of, it does stop the enemy in his tracks. Like there is strength in numbers. And that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm here right now tonight telling my story. My postpartum depression lingered for a few months, but at this time I was able to target the enemy head on. Because like I said earlier, one of the first things I learned after coming to Christ was the realness of spiritual warfare. So I can identify it and I know when it's coming and I know that it can take different forms. So through lots of prayer and guidance, I was able to somewhat get back on track after several months. And life from this point on was gonna be different but I knew that it was all going to be a blessing and how it turned into even a bigger blessing now since our family has grown. Now we have two kids instead of one. And I thought that that would never happen. And I haven't had to struggle with those thoughts since, which has shown me just how faithful God really is. At some point or another, most Christians, I really should say all Christians, will become stagnant or feel like they're in a rut. I know this feeling because I've lived it. I've lived with it for years at some points. And for me, this came after having my first child, even into having my second. I definitely feel like I was in a rut for a while. And all of a sudden, I was trying to find fulfillment in worldly things other than Christ himself. Thankfully, God is supreme, and that stood firm. And um, any of those unrealistic beliefs weren't able to take root because of God's faithfulness and because my vessel was already occupied by the Holy Spirit, so it can't grow when God's in it unless it's of God. He knows that we can stumble and fall out of church, out of study groups, reading our Bibles. The list is endless, and I've done every single one of them. But God is always faithful to bring us back where we need to be. At the beginning of this year, I lost my Mima, who is someone that is very close to me to COVID. It was very unexpected, and honestly, when I heard about her getting admitted to the hospital in Alabama, I've figured it was just a precaution. She was surely going to be home in no time. And um, at this point, I had been planning to go up there and visit her this spring. So I should be up there right now visiting her. But God had other plans. A few days passed and there was no good news. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit in my heart, he was telling me to go and see her. And I'm very thankful that he did. 
And I kind of wanted to ignore it just because um, to me, it felt like an inconvenience. Like I didn't want my mama to go anywhere, but I also knew it wasn't up to me. And I knew that I needed to act on what God wanted me to do. And he had given me a clear path to do that. So we drove to Alabama and uh, we were able to visit with her, even with her being on the COVID floor. We had to suit up and take all kinds of precautions and go in one at a time. I mean, even in the hospital, we had to go through all sort of precautions just to get through the front door. And at this point, I hadn't seen my grandmother in quite some time. And I felt very regretful. And I still do feel a little regretful for not going and seeing her more often and talking to her on the phone. But at one point, I knew that how close we were is really where my memories lie. In that hospital room, I didn't even get in in through the doors, basically, before she basically jumped off of her bed that she's on. And it wasn't, I mean, she didn't really jump off, but she came very close, especially someone that is like hooked up to a breathing machine that is like supposedly on her deathbed. You know, she did not look like anything was that bad wrong, not from what I saw at all. So I thought to myself, for someone that is getting all these bad reports, like she's doing good. So that gave me a little bit of hope. And her personality was like still just as bright as ever. And it was shining through. And she was so excited to see me. And I was so happy to see her. She's like a bougie woman. Like she is like the modern definition of what that is. And even in the hospital, she had like her big diamond rings on all her fingers. Like they did. I mean, they were that I would have loved to see them try to take those off of her. Like she would have had a fit. That's just how she was. And she's just like the cutest little roly-poly woman. I just can't. I mean, she's just so cute. She's just so precious. So at this point, um, however, we knew that she had been speaking to Jesus. She had been talking to him. And when he would leave, she was asking where he was. Um, so deep, deep down, I felt like I, I kind of knew, but I didn't want to accept it. And I held on to hope because I knew that, you know, I knew God had the ability to completely heal. But again, it's not up to me. It's up to God and what his perfect will is. Through my uncertainty, I held her little chunky hand in her little hospital room. And for the first and last time ever, I was able to pray with her. I sang her the blessing, which I do not. And she shared with me that her favorite book of the Bible was Psalms. And then the next day she passed away after having an amazing day. Like I'm just, it was really shocking. And at first, um, it didn't seem real. And I thought for sure it was going to be another like Lazarus story. Like someone's just going to call back in a few minutes and say like, she just popped right back up. She just woke up. We don't know what happened because that does happen. But I know that God can heal and restore, but I'm also wise enough to know that not all healing takes place on this side of heaven. And I'm okay with that. I'm grateful for a God that can save me, restore who I am, love me always, bring me back, show me mercy, give generously, and fight for me endlessly. If you could get anything out of my story, I would just like for you to know and see how God has been faithful through every single trial and every single tribulation and how I know and I have the faith that He is going to be there through every single trial that I'm going to face and every single tribulation that I'll go through. Because this is my story, and it's not pretty, and it's not perfect. It's also not supposed to be. But God is the creator of all things, and He is. So the creator of my story is perfect. Is me. (laughs) That's my story. (laughs) What an ending to her story. I'm going to paraphrase here. 
that she basically says, I'm not perfect, but the creator of my Mm -hmm. story is. You know, I think so often when you're, when you know the Lord, when you're in a relationship, you still fall into this trap of thinking you're not going to have struggles. And she says in her story that she struggled with anxiety before. God healed her. Mm -hmm. And then when her first child was born, she said, I just knew that I wasn't going to struggle with anxiety or depression. And yet it happened. And I love how she goes back to how the Lord met her in those places. She struggled in that of going, I was healed. Why am I, you know, why am I here again? And yet God didn't leave her alone. And she just paints that so perfectly over and over that she's not perfect. She still struggles, but God continues to meet her where she is. Yes. And she said, it's not supposed to be. It's not perfect and it's not supposed to be. Every day is renewal. Every day is Mm -hmm. surrender. Every day is just another chance to say, Lord, what can you do through me and in me today? I liked how she talked about community when she was going through postpartum and she asked her friend to pray with her. And she said, you know, at the end of the day, we are we're all just so alike. We are not that different. Mm -hmm. And that is so true as believers. We've all walked through the same things if you really get down to it. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning of her story, one thing that really just touched me was the Bible study that she did that when God's, you know, she was challenged with the question, who am I to you? Oh, And I was just like, you know, I think so often we don't sit in that, you know, and think Mm -hmm. about who am I to Mm -hmm. you, God? And for him to give her those sweet words of you are strength. I don't know. That's a challenge for me today. And I'm challenging the listener as well. I love that. Well, it's just ask yourself, sit with the Holy Spirit today and just ask, who am I to you, God? And just see what he lays on your heart, just like he did on Brittany's. And you know, that was something that I had struggled with in the past is like, well, how do I know it's the Lord? You know, how do I know this or that? And I think how Brittany said she sat in the Mm -hmm. quiet. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'll sense that in my mind. I'll hear that one word like in my imagination. And I've learned over the years that your imagination, when lined up with the Bible, is the Holy Spirit. That's right. Absolutely. And so go with go with that. Go with and your there, imagination and, and so, trust. Yes. And there's so many declarations that you might get. He might say, you are forgiven. Yeah. You uh-huh. are free. You are a daughter of the King. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that he could speak truth into your life wherever you are in this very moment. So sit with him and be still today. I love that. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. I'm going to do that this afternoon. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We know that Brittany talked about so many things in life that guaranteed you have identified with one of them whether it's struggling, struggling in your faith, mm-hmm. struggling with understanding the Lord or, you know, anxiety, depression, even sexual abuse. So our prayer for you today is that you would take one thing from this story and walk away knowing that you are not alone and that the Lord is with you. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.